And in the attitude of prayer, let's continue just um, praying for those around us. Lord, we want to bless our brothers and sisters around us, those in front and behind. Lord, will you speak to them this morning? Will they hear your voice? Will they hear exactly what they need to hear today? Get a step closer to you and go deeper in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been a morning and, uh, and it's been a great celebration. And so we're going to just, uh, I'll see if I can trim this sermon down a little bit, but I'm not giving you any promises whatsoever. So if you've got somewhere to be by 12, it's in there having lunch with us. So you've got nowhere to be, so we're all good to go. Look, we've been on, on uh, a journey of the radical hospitality of God and and we've been look, exploring over the time how Jesus actually, as I said during communion, actually dismantles all our excuses to come before God. And we're going to start changing a little bit of direction now into more how God's hospitality can change lives. And, and today we're talking about life-changing hospitality. And, and to start with this, we've got to ask ourselves the question... It's a question that I have to ask myself from time to time, and I dare it's a question that you have to ask yourself whether you're someone who is starting to explore faith or someone who's been in faith for a very long time. Do you believe that the gospel can change things? Do you believe that the gospel can change a life? Do you believe that the gospel can change your circumstances? Do you believe that the gospel can do what this, the gospel says it can do? Do you believe it? And, and some of you might rightly say, well, it depends what you mean by the gospel, Barry. So I'm going to give you what I mean by the gospel. Thanks for asking. The gospel is simply this, that God created the world fantastic, beautiful. He looked at it and he said, it is good. And whenever God says it's good, you know it's good. And because of humanity's choices, we brought separation and brokenness into this world. We separated ourselves from God and we said, God, we do not want you to be God anymore. We want to be our own God. We want to run life our way. We want to do it our way. We want to do it our way. We want to do it our way. And God's heart broke and our lives broke. And God's heart broke to the point he says, I cannot leave my people like this. And so he brought Jesus to come down, his only begotten son, to live and breathe and show us what it means to be fully connected with God. And then to die for our sins, for our brokenness, for our wanting to be our own God and then rose again so that if we accept his death and resurrection for ourselves, we can enter into the new life that God has for us. That God can start a work in us to bring us back to that original design he always had in the Garden of Eve and that is to walk with us and be in communion with us, to be in relationship with us. And that our brokenness could start being healing. That's what I mean by the gospel. 
And I'm wondering if you believe that Jesus dying on the cross and rising again and us accepting that as a reality in our life, do you believe that it can change things? Do you believe that it can make a difference? Do you believe it can change a life? Because I don't know about you, but there are some times where I just get burdened down with the things that are happening around me and I forget the power of the gospel for myself and for those around me. I look at people who are sick and I go, oh, that's a shame. Instead of going, where is the power of the gospel that I could bring into this situation? Some, I don't know about you, but do you forget like I forget? The power of the gospel? The power of the fact that as we allow God to do a healing work in our lives, that it changes everything? Or is it just me? Because if we do believe it, should it not be the most radical and life-giving thing in our life? If we believe it, shouldn't it be the thing that we want to excitedly pass on to another person? If we believe it, do we not want to have the Spirit of God do something in us to change our environment, to change our world, to, to make a difference in somebody else's life? If we really believe it, wouldn't we want to celebrate it and share it and see it go forth? Have you lost that spark of knowing that the gospel is a life-changing gospel? Or do you, do you see the critical value? And are you prepared to, to walk into that value and, and see God use you to bring about his kingdom here on earth? So my next question is not just, do you believe that the gospel can change your life? My next question to you is, do you believe that God can use you to bring the gospel to change another person's life. Do you believe that God can use you? Yes, you, with all your faults and failures and with all your issues and all your struggles. Do you believe that God can use you to change a life by bringing his message and his life-saving grace to those around you? You see, when we become Christians, when we say yes to this death and to this resurrection, when we say yes to it, we invite God's Spirit to be within us and to do a work in us. But that work of the Spirit in us is not just for us, but for those around us. We're not called just to heal ourselves, but we're called to uh, see God heal us, but we call to to help God heal other people. 
and that brokenness that we see in others, God, uh, God calls us to do something. Does, and, and God's um, Spirit within us, when we host God's Spirit, when we're hospitable to God's Spirit within us, then God's presence uh, does a work in people around us. And so I want to read you a little bit of Scripture this morning that hopefully will, will bring you to a, an understanding that when we come understanding that the gospel changes people and that God wants to use us to change people, then we're going to see God do amazing things in our midst. Now, we're looking at Luke 19, 1 to 10. If you hanged around church for any period of time, you probably would have come across this story. Luke 19, 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And I talked to you about last week when it says passing through. It means he's passing through on the way to Jerusalem. He's on the way to the cross. He's on the way to deal with yours and my sin. There was a man named Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And we know from our series so far, tax collectors are people who are ripping off their own people. They're seen as sinners in the eyes of the rest of the nation. And he was the chief one. He was the big boss. He was the one who was getting the richest out of ripping people off. But this Zacchaeus, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, so I don't relate to him at all, he could not see over the crowd. I can see over any crowd. It's not not an issue for me. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And you've all got that Sunday school picture in your mind, haven't you, with that tree that goes over, if you've been to Sunday school. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Just picture that, welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of the sinner. Scandal. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I I give half of my possessions to the poor and I... And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. This would have sent him broke because he did a lot of cheating. And four times what he cheated, that's a lot of interest. Okay? So people would have been lining up at the door. And this is what Jesus said to him. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to his house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, there's a couple of things I want to pull out of this scripture with you that I really want to bring to your attention. The first is is that, that Zacchaeus could not be further away from God than probably anyone else around them. He was branded, he was isolated, he was told that he was not to be, have a relationship with God because of what he was, he's as far away as you could get. 
And I want you to think about the people in your life who are as far away from God as what they can get. Because this story is for them. And this story is for you, for them. He's as far away as you can possibly come to experiencing the love and the grace of God. But yet there is something in him that makes him want to see Jesus. Climbing up a tree, going to extraordinary efforts so that he can get to see this man of God that he's heard so much about. There's an eagerness in his spirit. And so what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to encourage you to look at those people in your life who seem far enough, far away from God and say, is there any sign of eagerness within them? And then I want to bring this to your attention. There is nothing in this story that suggests that Jesus actually said anything to Zacchaeus about his sin. There's nothing in this story that gives even a hint that Jesus actually said anything to him at all other than I want to come and eat with you. All there is is Jesus inviting himself around to his place for a meal. And then we have this story of Zacchaeus standing up and saying, you know what, I'm going to devouge all my wealth to do what is right. There is something in the presence of Jesus. Because there's no doubt if there was something profound that Jesus' word had done, it would have been in the story. But it wasn't the words that are important. It was Jesus' presence that was important. It is the fact that Jesus' presence is there that changes something within Zacchaeus that transforms his life. And as Christians, we can get so worried about who we do and who we don't mix with, whether or not this person is a good influence to us or not. But we've got to realize that we have the very Spirit of God within us. And when God tells us to go and be with someone, that we should go and be with them. And our words don't really matter. You don't have to have a PhD in saying the right thing. All you have to do is take the presence of God that is in you with you. Because that is all that we can see in this story that changes Zacchaeus' life. And I think that God wants to use you and I like God uses Jesus. And if we take the Great Commission seriously, that all authority has been given to Jesus and he passes it to us. If we take seriously the passage in John 14 that says that Jesus says to his disciples, you'll do even greater things than I do. If we take seriously those kinds of scriptures where we see that, that Jesus can do it, so therefore we can do it. Why is it impossible for us to think 
that we cannot come and bring the presence of God that can radically change a person's life. Now, I'm not saying you. I'm saying the presence of God inside of you. I'm not saying that you've got to have clever words because I don't think the words matter. What I think matters is whether we bring the Spirit of God in with us and expect God to do something. I was reading a story, a guy called Smith, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, and uh, he, he's, a, he's a, a, legi- a legend in, in sensationalism. If, sensationalism is just people who enjoy seeing the Spirit of God do sensational things. And there was one time where he walked on a train and as he walked onto the train, he, uh, he saw this guy looking at him and he couldn't work out why he was looking at him. And, and, uh, and after a while, the guy just comes up to him and goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm, I'm sitting here. He goes, I just, I just feel this tremendous guilt when I look at you. Why do I feel that way? And he goes, well, probably because God's wanting to do something in your life. And he brings not that's that person, but the whole train carriage into faith in Jesus Christ. And he didn't say a word. So if you come to church and you doubt whether God can use you because you're not holy enough, Or you come and and you doubt whether God can use you because you don't think you have it all together. Or you're too busy looking at what you don't have instead of what you do have. Or you're looking at your faults and your failings instead of it. Then I want to encourage you tonight that if you want to walk with the Spirit, the Spirit of God will walk in you and you can be used by God to change someone's life. And even as I'm speaking right now, there's a person that's coming to your mind, I believe, that God wants you to challenge you with, to say, I want to use you to change that person's life. So how do we do this? Well, let's look at the story again. How do we practice a a life-changing hospitality? First of all, I want to talk about the fact that it's not just about going and being nice. It's not just about accepting people. Although being nice is really helpful and accepting people is genuinely a great thing to do, it's not just about being nice and accepting. What I want to talk about tonight is you actually going and making a difference by the power of the Spirit. What I I want to tell you is it's not just you going and spending time, but it's you going and seeing lives transformed. So the very first thing I want to encourage you to do is stop. It doesn't say it in the text, but you can't imagine Jesus being able to say anything to Zacchaeus while he's moving, so he would have had to stop. And some of us, we need to stop making excuses for why God can't use us. We've got to stop making excuses that we're not good enough, that we're not holy enough, that we're not special enough, that someone else can do it. We need to stop making excuses. And we've got to stop being busy and allow ourselves to be interrupted in our lives. 
There's a, there's a crowd down this street. Jesus is, 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 is moving through the crowd. But he allows himself the opportunity to be interrupted by this small man up in the tree that he can see from a long distance away. Now, we talked about busyness the other week, but how many of us are living lives that are so full on that even if God wanted to interrupt us, we couldn't hear it? Even if God says, you know what, I want to use you to make a difference in that person's life, we'll go, you know what, I don't know if I could fit it in. Maybe, maybe Tuesday 2020 in May. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to learn to stop. We're going to learn to stop and, uh, and reevaluate our lives and stop making excuses and allow ourselves to stop. The next thing that we need to do is we need to look up. We need to look to God for guidance. We need to look up. But we also need to look up and see who God has placed in our lives. You see, Jesus didn't go looking for Zacchaeus. He just looked up. And he saw that there was someone there that was making an effort to find him. And what I want to encourage you this morning, if you want to be used by God for life-changing, in a life-changing way, stop and then look up. Who has God placed in your life? Who's eager to spend time with you? Who wants to hang out with you? Look up and go, that's the person. Look up and see that the Spirit, who the Spirit is drawing to you so that God can use you in that way. The third thing is to invite. I love how the fact that Jesus goes, you know what? don't really know you, but I'm coming to your place. I kind, of, I kind of dig that. I don't know how it would go down today. You just walk up to someone in the shopping center and go, I'm coming to your place. How that would go down? But I love that Jesus is. But when you find that person by looking up, don't just invite them into your life, but invite yourself into theirs. Sometimes you don't really get to know someone until you sit in their house. And it's really easy to invite them into your space and into your life most of the time. It's another level when you invite yourself into theirs. And I want to encourage you that inviting yourself into theirs can be one of the most life-changing things that you can do. It shows that you love them, it shows that you accept them, and it gives you an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to them. And when you invite yourself there, invite the Spirit of God to be with you in that place. And that brings us to the last thing, pray. Because ultimately it's the Spirit of God that changes people, not you and I. It's the Spirit of God that makes a difference, not the words that we say. It's the Spirit of God that does the transformation, not our great wisdom. So we need to pray and ask God to do a work in people's lives. It was a revelationary moment to me when I realised that there was nothing I can do to change another person. I couldn't change my wife, no matter how much I wanted to. Couldn't change my kids, no matter how much I wanted to. I couldn't change 
the way that people reacted to me. The only thing I could change is myself and pray that God could change the rest. And so when you come, go into somebody else's life, into somebody else's place, pray that God will do the changing. So I want you to think of that person that God has brought to your mind that seems so far away that God is nudging on your heart to say, I want to use you to bring them into a loving relationship with myself. Uh, And during this week, I want you to stop all your busyness, all your craziness, all your excuses and say, God, how? I want you to look up and I want you to invite yourself into their world, make space for them and pray that God will do an amazing thing through you. Do you believe that this gospel that we are caretakers of can change the world? Jesus did. The disciples did. Do you? Will you stand with me, please? I just got a funny feeling that there are some people who Oh, the band can come up, by the way. Um, people who, um, who might just need to say, God, you know what, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry that I've forgotten the power of the gospel. Not just to change my life, never alone anybody else's life. And to ask for that fire again within you. And I think there are some of us here that really need to pray for that opportunity for God to change a life through you. There is nothing more um, powerful than to see a life transformed by the power of the gospel. So if you are someone who uh, needs to just say sorry to God that you've forgotten the power of the gospel, then just hold your hands out in front of you like this. And just do it now. And if you're someone who needs to... to um, to once again believe that God can use you, then I just want you to hold your hand on your heart. So hands out in the front. If you want God to reignite the flame of the power of the gospel inside of you, hand on your heart if you want to be used by God to change your life. Let's pray together. Loving God, we thank you that it is your spirit that does the work inside of us and around us. Loving God, will you please come now? And for all of us, Lord, who have forgotten the power of the gospel in our own lives and what it can do to change this world, Lord, forgive us. And will you ignite within our heart again an understanding of the great power that comes through that? And Lord, for those of us, Lord, who want to be used to change another's life by your spirit. Lord, excite our hearts for the opportunity. Let us pray for the opportunity. Let us be excited by the fact that we hold within us the spirit of the living God who raised Jesus from the dead. 
And let us go out excited for what you're going to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.